0: Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the University of Sheffield. Double storm warning as gales and miners strike. Spring cleaning was most likely put on hold in Sheffield in early March 1914. In an uncanny parallel, a gale with the force of a hurricane blew across the city on Friday, the 7th of March, leaving havoc in its wake. Trams were stopped from passing through Shoreham Street because a roof from Messrs. Joseph Smith and Sons had blown across their path. The cross from St Stephen's Church, Fawcett Street, was blown down, hitting a passer by named Horace Daft. Many residents were hospitalised, and though none were killed in Sheffield, a cyclist was fatally wounded by a falling tree in Normanby, Scunthorpe. The storm in South Yorkshire's mining industry continued on into March, however. Rotherham miners were out until late in March. By the 19th of March, Barnsley, Doncaster and Sheffield miners had expressed sympathy with the strike, handing in strike notices. Though this gave the miners an extraordinary bargaining power, local communities were being badly affected. Children were being fed by school authorities, such as the Rawmarsh Marsh Education Committee. Strikers desperately wanted a settlement in their demands for the minimum wage and requested that the Feeding of Necessitous Children Act should be observed. This guaranteed one meal a day to Rotherham children of minors. A settlement was reached on Friday the 20th of March despite the limited guarantees of higher wages and lower working hours from the bosses and the continued threats held by existing strike notices. In light of this turmoil, emigration was a desirable option at the time, with Canada and Australia being advertised in the paper as locations offering the prospects of jobs and a high quality of life. Farmhands and domestic servants were in demand along the Canadian Pacific Railway. Special care taken of women and children emigrants, went the advert. Yet emigration also had its own perils. The Sheffield Daily Telegraph reported on the 10th of March of the terrible death of Sheffield man in Demerara. Harold Brooke, originally from Moorgate, Rotherham, but Sheffield-based, had been attacked by sharks as he swam ashore from a swamp boat near the plantation on which he worked as assistant commissary in the South American settlement. The paper reports that only the skeleton was left, and a foot and arm were missing. A grisly end indeed for one adventurous émigré. Three further issues dominate the local news in this month. Health, education and the military. The Sheffield Daily Telegraph was making a big funding drive to secure a supply of radium for the treatment of cancer in Sheffield hospitals, a cutting-edge treatment at the time. For those with inoperable or late-stage cancers, there had previously been no hope of a remedy, so radium was being put forward as a magic bullet. The radium fund was backed by the wealthy and the working classes alike. Sheffield Federated Trades Council donated £10, the equivalent of thousands of pounds in today's money. Alderman Wardley, donating the money, commented on the fact that some very rich Sheffielders refused to do any public or private good for the city, urging them to help out now. Doing public good was a hot topic. The Sheffield Independent newspaper had been running a giveaway of a £1 dictionary in exchange for six coupons. A horse and cart would parade in the city centre, advertising and distributing the books, the British Empire University's Modern English Illustrated Dictionary. Famous public figures such as Scouts founder Robert Baden Powell and explorer Ernest Shackleton wrote personal endorsements of the scheme, showing its nationally recognised merit. We would be amazed to hear of any of these dictionaries remaining in Sheffield's libraries today. But as the general population was becoming more educated, it was also becoming more reluctant to join up to the armed forces. Emigration was one factor, but a general aversion to war service had been growing, and the Sheffield Daily Telegraph was calling for adoption of national service. Yet some institutions were reliably stocked with potential troops. The Sheffield University Officer Training Corps showed its mettle in a mock war with the OTC of Manchester University, but rather than focusing on a possible war in Europe, it chose to imagine a strategic response to the ongoing Mexican rebellion. The clue to the general path of history should have been coming from the factories, where armaments were reported to be profitable business. In fact, on the 4th of March, Churchill himself had threatened Sheffield with touting for business abroad if Sheffield could not meet his demands for armour plate. Many suspected that international trade was being inflated by armour rings driven by competition. Allegations and hushed references to them were very much the order of the day. One third of March report on a court case heard how Kate Ellen Brown, servant to a wealthy Sheffield financier, Charles Walker, had made... Remarkable allegations against him of impropriety. While Mrs. Walker was in Vienna, schooling her youngest children at a music conservatoire, an incident took place, presumably the birth of an illegitimate child. Mr. Walker had given Brown £30 as hush money, saying for her to observe, Mum's the word. He denied any guilt, yet described his servant as honest and trustworthy, but a romancer. He was ordered by the court to financially support the child concerned until the age of 14. Women were becoming more outspoken and more powerful in the public sphere. A debate was held at Doncaster Council about the refusal to allow the WSPU, Women's Social and Political Union, to hold meetings at the Guild Hall. Councillor Crawford argued that it would be better that the meeting should be held in the Guild Hall, where policemen could watch them than in the streets. Yet while the Sheffield Daily Telegraph agreed that women should be allowed in the workplace, it remained staunchly against the female vote. Perhaps suffragettes were more militant than the men who were increasingly shunning military service. One meeting at Doncaster's Trades and Friendly Societies Institute heard a General Flora Drummond arguing that they needed to burn more mansions to make their point. She joked that one person had said they would like the suffragettes to assassinate an MP, but Drummond replied... That would not do it was far better to keep them on earth and torture them words were better weapons but actions were at other times more resonant on the 10th of march 1914 one suffragette made international headlines when she attacked the Rokeby venus painting with a meat cleaver at the national gallery our focus for our second march 1914 piece in our look into the everyday life of sheffield in 1914 will recall the great Sheffield free speech debate centered on the Queen's Monument, a symbolic site for Sheffield's rabble-rousers, troublemakers, and agitators.